Good evening, everyone. It's good to be here. Um, it's a very big privilege to preach, and we've already done this morning. If you don't know me, my name's Chris, married to Beth. Um, I'm full-time here at the church doing lots of things, kids, youth, scripture. Um, keeps me busy, and I love it. Um, I'm going to talk about this morning because Tori was just about to, but you, she already set you off on the um, talk to your neighbour thing, and it's hard to rein in that. So, um, yeah, so, you know, it's been a great term in Kids Min, and I think I said this morning my highlight was this morning. So our kids have been practising um, the actions to one of the new Pat Barrett songs that we did as a bit of an Easter presentation performance, um, and we had Tori actually do a dance, like a, a lyrical dance with some of the kids. So if you want to go look at, watch that, go on Facebook um, on C, and it was recorded. Um, they did an amazing job. Hope was literally lifted up like a little star in the sky. Um, it was amazing. And another highlight for me in the last term was actually starting our senior high youth group. Um, I know we had about seven along come to our first senior high bowling night. So I really appreciate your um, prayers in that as we really ramp up in term two. Um, we're getting kids to invite their friends and it's just really amazing to see, you know, everybody at every age and stage in our church having something that's for them. Um, so that's been really good as well. So today we celebrated Easter, of course, last week. That was an amazing week. I really loved um, Good Friday, Sunday. It was just nice to be back compared to last year's Easter and yeah, today we go back into our Ephesians series. So if you're not sure where we're up to, um, we're only in chapter two. But I've been really enjoying taking it out at such a nice slow pace and actually getting into the word. Um, Tim preached on the previous verses before. We're in Ephesians 2, 19 to 21 today. But before we um, dive into that, I want to tell you a story. When I was 14 years old, I went on a pretty amazing trip to Argentina to play hockey back when I was sporty. And um, I didn't go with any of my parents. Like, I went with the tour. So I was kind of being taken care of by people, uh, like friends and their parents. And one night, we got lost. So we, uh, they decided that they wanted to walk, like the group that was sort of looking after me, but they wanted to walk home uh, from the restaurant to the hotel in Buenos Aires. Like, we literally took a cab every single other time. But for some reason, this is what we did. And... We got lost pretty quickly, and it was pretty scary. Like, I didn't know... Obviously, you don't know the language. You don't... Re, like, you've been there for a few days. You don't know the city very well. It's a pretty scary city to be lost in in the middle of the night at 11 o'clock, and you do feel like a bit of an outsider. Like, we were wearing Argentina soccer jerseys with our names on them. Like, it, we couldn't have really screamed more tourists. Um, yeah, you feel on the outside. You feel sort of in a place you don't belong. And it was a big relief to make it back to our hotel. Everybody had been waiting up for us and they you know, were obviously relieved to find us alive and well. Um, and, you know, and the tour went on. I don't know if you've had a similar experience. Maybe you've travelled overseas and hopefully not been lost, but just experienced the feeling of being in a place where you don't know the language, you don't know the surroundings. It's not friends that you can just go over to. There's not a home you can just go to. Maybe you've felt like an outsider at your workplace, or maybe you felt like an outsider at a group that you're a part of, like maybe sport or a hobby, or maybe, um, unfortunately, you've felt like an outsider at church. You feel like you don't belong, or you feel ignored, or you feel like you're out of place. 
Well, in today's passage, we're going to learn that there are no longer foreigners or strangers or outsiders in the church, that because of Jesus Christ, we are all united and joined together to form a spiritual temple in which God lives by his spirit. So we'll learn that we believe that all people who follow Jesus are members of God's household and citizens in the kingdom of God, that every believer has a role and place in the spiritual temple that God is building, and that the Holy Spirit is our powerful helper in joining and fulfilling God's plan for the church on earth. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Ephesians 2, 19-22. We'll read there and then we'll give some context to the passage. So, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So today we're looking at our place in the church our role in the church, and our helper and power in the church, which is the Holy Spirit. So let's start with our place in the church. It's important to know um, the context of this passage. Basically, whenever you look at a passage and it starts with the word therefore or consequently, you do need to know what comes before it so we can make sense of what comes after. So um, if you're here on Good Friday, you would have heard Tim preach about Ephesians 2.11 to 18. Um, But if you weren't here or you don't remember, here's a little recap Paul is describing how Gentiles, everybody who weren't Jews, used to be separate from God. They were alienated, far away, but have been brought near through Jesus Christ. So I'll pick it up in verse 15. Jesus' purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So it is with this knowledge that we now read, we are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens in God, God's household. So back in Paul's time, the foreigners and strangers were two different classifications of people. Even though the city of Ephesus was pretty multicultural, These two groups of people were always on the outside. First, we have the foreigner. Their life wasn't easy. Actually, one person was recorded to write home, it is better for you to be in your own homes, whatever they be like, than to be in a strange land. The foreigner was always regarded with suspicion and dislike. The next step further on was a stranger. These people were even worse. They'd become a resident alien in a place that didn't recognise them. They had stayed in a place that was not their own so long and they weren't citizens that they actually had to pay a tax to belong to a land that didn't treat them well, that they were on the outside of. It was a pretty, really, pretty tough situation. I think Paul uses these two illustrations to remark on how the Gentiles were really far away from God. But what does this mean for us if we aren't in that Jew-Gentile mindset back then, like Paul said? Well, we do know... When Greg preached on Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, that everybody was once separated from God. That because of our sins and transgressions, we were deserving death, but were made alive in Jesus Christ. So this is all good news for every single person. 
And what is this good news about our place in the church? Well, first he says that we are made citizens. A citizen is someone with full rights and freedoms of a land or a place. And Paul is saying that both Jews and Gentiles now have full citizenship rights forever to the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom is not a place, but is wherever God is ruling his people. And so we now enjoy the freedom and security of belonging to God's kingdom and are no longer outsiders looking in. The second way that Paul says about a place in the church is in God's household. This is probably my favourite way Paul describes the church for its accuracy. A family. Because I don't know about you, but all families, maybe not some of them, but most of them are messy. Families have conflict. They have disagreements. They have people who we don't really get along with. But there's a unity that goes deeper than those disagreements. And in the church, we aren't just united by blood, but we're united by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for every single person. And so we'll see that it's actually Jesus that holds his church together, that builds it up, and it's the spirit that unites us. And so the final thing we need to know about our place in the church is that Jesus is the cornerstone. So you might not be, I'm not a builder, you may be a builder, you may know this better than I do, but my understanding is that back then the cornerstone of a building was the most important part. It was the first stone laid out and it laid the lines and boundaries for what the building was going to be, the foundation. Every other stone needed to be placed in reference to the cornerstone because if the builders just started working on any part of the building that they wanted to, it was unlikely that they would be building in the right places. Every single block had to be built in reference to the cornerstone because the final building wouldn't come together as one whole strong structure. So the message is pretty crystal clear to us. Without Jesus, there is no church. We must not let the church become about us or about one person or about a group of people or about a comparison game with the people down the road, but it's all about Jesus. It's ultimate reliance on him. Jesus must be the focus of everything we do at church. All of our ministries, our service, our evangelism must be all for Jesus. So the accessibility of the church is something I'm going to keep mentioning. In Galatians 3.28, Paul says that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. So what does this mean for us? If Jesus destroyed all the boundary walls then we best not create new walls that would divide people and keep people out of our church. There's a test fit for us here, including myself, which is when people, when you're sitting here on a church waiting for a service on Sunday and you're maybe looking out for new people coming along, is there someone that you would hesitate to go and welcome, that you would secretly hope someone else would go over and shake their hand? Maybe it's a difference. Maybe it's... Maybe it's their gender, their sexuality, physical differences, cultural differences, language, age difference. Maybe it's something completely different. What I loved was on Good Friday, seeing this room full of all different types of people as a family sharing a meal together. It was pretty amazing to see how there was food being shared, kids going to all the different tables and stealing all the Easter eggs. I think there was about eight lasagnas and about five salads that probably weren't touched for the whole night, even though they were lovingly prepared, but didn't really compare to the KFC that was also offered. Um, 
And people of all different ages and stages were meeting and mingling. And that is why I love this church. And I think the reflection for me and for us is that we should be taking pride in how welcoming our church is. We should continue to be looking out for the new and welcoming people like Jesus welcomes everyone into his church. So let's talk about our role in the church. Now we know our place. Paul moves into our role in the church. So from verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So firstly, what does it mean to be a spiritual temple? Well, it's important to understand how important the temple was to the Jewish people back then. Solomon's temple was the central focus of Jewish life and worship for over a thousand years. It is where they believed God dwelt in the most holy of holies. But now, if everyone in the world, regardless of education, family lineage, race, gender or physical location, can come to know Christ Jesus and follow him, then how can a physical building continue to be a good service to those new believers. Surely a building in Jerusalem wouldn't be great for the church in Ephesus or even the church here in Manly. It's a pretty long pilgrimage to be able to go and encounter God's presence. You see, Paul is not talking about a physical building, but instead a new spiritual temple formed out of the new humanity he's created through Jesus Christ. We are now the living stones all building blocks of God's spiritual temple that he is building. Not a physical location, but you, wherever you go, if you follow Jesus and God's spirit lives in you, are a living temple, a living stone where people don't have to come to a building but can actually encounter God by meeting you. I want to talk about my youth team for a second. 14 months ago, When I started looking for youth leaders to join in this ministry and to kick off our youth group, I found it hard because there was a certain uh, group of people who weren't free on Fridays and we already have an amazing group of young adults who are serving so much already. And so I was praying and thinking about who could be involved. And this is when God basically assembled our little spiritual temple, as it were, in our youth team. First of all, we have the amazing Jana. She came here when she was in year 11 and pretty eager to get on board and to be a part of a youth group. There was no one her age. um, There was no sort of youth group at all for her. And she was willing and ready to come on board as a leader from the get-go. And she's been here from day one. She is one of the most faithful, diligent people in our team. She's wise beyond her years. And we she serves every single Friday. And also we employ her to run kids every single Sunday. And so I was just so thankful um, for her coming all the way from the Philippines. That was God bringing her into the team. Then I had Charlie come along. He moved down from Newcastle to play rugby union in Manly. And I didn't have to search for him either. He came to Tim with the heart and willingness to serve. I've heard him share about his heart, how youth ministry changed his life, how he came to know Jesus. And that same passion and enthusiasm for youth ministry is shown to all of our kids who come to youth today. He's got energy and vigour and passion and continues to push me to make youth ministry the best place it can be. So I'm super thankful for him. And then came Ellie. 
who is like our dance maestro. She basically comes up with actions for every single song that we do in kids' church. Um, so, like, she sometimes sends me videos of her doing actions so that when she's not here, I can, like, superimpose them onto our clips, our, like, our songs that we're doing, and so the kids can watch her doing the actions because I find it hard to remember or come up with any new ones. Um, but that is the beauty of the spiritual temple that God has built in this youth team is because we all share unique and different gifts that complement each other and that create a full, solid structure. She's an amazing role model for our plenty of young women that we have growing up in the church. And I'm just thankful for every single one of the people in our team. And I use this example because we often think of this maybe as an abstract concept, but God is in the business of building a spiritual temple in this church right now. Each and every single one of you has a gift from the Holy Spirit and God is calling you to be a unique living stone in your community, but also here bringing your gifts into the local church. We're also called to be united in community. Our role in the church. You notice in those verses, it's always together. The whole building is joined together. You two are being built together. Community is a vital part of the Christian life. The church should be a place of healing and restoration and encouragement and deep Christian fellowship. It's in fellowship where we practice spiritual gifts, we build each other up, we show God's kindness and love to others. We simply, I think, it's really hard to live a Christian life on your own. We need each other. Remember, Jesus is the cornerstone. He actually makes this possible because he modelled grace and forgiveness and kindness and service and sacrifice and reconciliation. All these things are modelled by him so that we can remain united as a church continuing to join in God's mission, even when the inevitable conflict, betrayal and sin will come to plague us up. But it is so good to have Jesus. So our second role in the church is to participate in the community of the church. And our final role is to grow. You'll notice in those verses that it says we're being built together, that, we, that he wants the temple to rise up. There is an obvious implication that God wants to grow his church, both in number, but also in character, becoming more like Jesus. He wants his church to reflect Jesus to the world. Wherever we go as living stones in this temple, we want there to be less of me and more of Jesus. Paul's prayer for the Colossians in chapter 1, verses 9, says that we may all live a life worthy of the Lord, please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. But do you notice that in this verse, God grows us together. This isn't something that's just an individual thing, but we rely on each other. We grow with each other. The community of believers is one of the best ways that God helps us grow. We can be encouraged, challenged, held accountable and spurred on to keep following Jesus. So, as a living stone of God's spiritual temple, how are you representing Jesus in your home, workplace and community? Where has God gifted you to serve in his church? How is God calling you to bless the church community that you're a part of? And are you growing in your faith? Where is God growing you? Very quickly, my third and final point is just that we have a helper in all of this. The Holy Spirit. That very last words of the passage is maybe the most important. He's building a spiritual temple where the Spirit is going to live. 
And so we're called very quickly to do three things. We're called to be vessels of the Holy Spirit, carriers of the Spirit wherever we go, constantly praying, constantly listening to the Spirit and seeking opportunities to glorify God and to tell others about the good news. We already talked about it, but it's the Holy Spirit that helps us grow. The fruit of the Spirit. When we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life, not only does he help us act, but he also helps us to grow. And the Holy Spirit is the person that will help us act. When we don't know what to do, we don't know the words to say, we don't know how to reach those who are our friends who don't know Jesus, and we're really desperate for them to come to faith. He gives us the right words, the right timing, and he gives us the spiritual gifts to glorify God as living temples. So, what an encouraging passage. Paul has painted us a glorious picture of the purpose of the church. You have a place in the church. You have a role. And we have the best helper, where our power comes from. If you want to know more about that power, go back and listen to Tim's sermon on Paul's prayer for power in Ephesians 1. You'll hear more about that. Let's live, in, let's live up to that vision of the church. For me, that is one of the biggest applications from this, is that in this building, I need to have eyes for every single person who walks through this door, that no one would come in feeling unwelcomed or ignored, and that I would do my best to be a living temple wherever I go. I said this morning that I spend a lot of time with Christians, talking to Christians, teaching kids. My application was, what do I do with um, my outside world? I'm actually reaching people who don't yet uh, know Jesus. I don't know what your application is tonight. I pray that Holy Spirit would be prompting you um, in one of those many areas. Remember that we are always focusing on Jesus. Without him, this would just be a club on a Sunday. We're always relying on the Holy Spirit. We, that's another application is just realising that God's Spirit lives inside of you. It's an amazing, amazing truth and reality for us as Christians. We want to see the world and know Jesus, but more locally, we want to join God in bringing life to Manly. It's our church's mission statement. And the fact that God has chosen us to do that, his people, to work through us sinful human beings that get it wrong all the time. But Paul has painted us a picture of what God is doing to us, restoring us and renewing us as a part of his process of bringing newness and his life to all things. So let's be encouraged, church, and let's pray.